My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here. We've made that prayer as we begin this conversation with our Lord. And we can say that anywhere, anytime. The Lord is always with us. I believe that you are here. But here in this oratory in Manhattan, we are in the presence of Jesus himself in the sacrament of the Eucharist. So we, we, that act of faith, I believe, I firmly believe that you are here, it takes on a special tone precisely because of the fact that we are in his presence in the Eucharist before him. And as we prepare for the great solemnity of Corpus Christi here in the U.S., we celebrate tomorrow, Let's uh, thank our Lord for his presence. He's wanted to be with us. St. Jose would say that he, he so longed to stay with us that he made himself what appears to be bread and offers himself to us. We can be in communion with him in that special way through the sacrament. Well, thank you, Lord. And that love that... God shows us in the Eucharist should be um, a call for us to respond with love. How is my love for the Eucharist? Am I a Eucharistic soul? Am I aware of the presence of Jesus sacramentally as, as I go about the day, not only when I attend Mass or make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, but just to, to be where he's with us. In, in this world, the tabernacles of the world. And Lord, I, I wouldn't want to leave you alone for hours and hours without anyone making a reference to you, talking to you. So thank him for his presence throughout the world. And again, try to respond with love. Uh, this is a gift which our Lord has given us, his very body and blood, so that we may thrive. The church draws her life from the Eucharist. St. John Paul II wrote in his encyclical on the Eucharist. And of course, it all stems from Revelation. We, we, we haven't figured this out on our own, <laughs> their limited human capacity, right? It's just simply revelation by God. God said so. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is food for the soul, medicine for immortality. And therefore, we want to receive that food properly, prepare ourselves with faith, with a, with a, clean, with a clean conscience. We should not receive a communion if we're aware of any serious sin in our soul. Get to confession first. And, um, of course, taking care of this, that, that hour-long fast before receiving communion. It's out of respect for our Lord. We, we have a certain time of preparation that the church has, has uh, dictated to us for love. 
We show our love by preparing well for communion. And those acts of faith, how, how important that we approach God. When we approach communion, we truly approach God with us, Emmanuel, in a special way. Uh, there's this uh, survey that uh, resulted in, or came up with the results of what? Uh, I, 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 over half, half of the percentage of, of Catholics see the Eucharist as a, a, sim, a symbol of the presence of God, not the real presence. Well, that, <laughs> we can't go that route. Lord, I truly believe that you are here. I, because you've said so. I, it's not that I've figured it out and well, I've got some you know, deep insight uh, that others don't have. No, just, Lord, you've, you've uh, given us your body and blood in the sacrament. And that's the way the church has lived through all these centuries. And even in times of uh, perhaps uh, you know, doubt, well, the Lord has provided. Of course, uh, tomorrow's feast, Corpus Christi, in the 13th century, has its uh, history behind it. Briefly, there was a, a priest named Peter of Prague who, who, was, had, who was doubting about the Eucharist. It was hard for him to put his whole faith in, in, in the Eucharist. And so he was making a, a journey. The tradition says that Peter of Prague was on pilgrimage to Rome to pray at the tombs of St. Peter and Paul to help him in overcoming his doubts. He stopped at Bolsena, about 115 miles northeast of Rome, and received permission to celebrate Mass at the Basilica. And during that Mass, that he was celebrating with his doubts, his blood began to gush from the, the host that he was holding at the, at the consecration. Once the blood began gushing, the frightened priest grabbed the chalice and host and took them to the sacristy, spilling blood on the altar and the linen cloth under the chalice and the steps leading to the altar. He then went to Orvieto, about 20 miles away, where Pope Urban IV was staying to recount the events. The Pope immediately sent an investigating team to Bolsena. Tradition says that the members included St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure, both doctors of the church and the best-known theologians of their day. The team brought back a favorable report and showed the Pope the linen cloth, called a corporal, with the bloodstains and the bloodstained crumbled fragments of the host. The Pope declared a miracle and commissioned St. Thomas to write the prayers, songs, and verses for the new Corpus Christi Mass. For example, the beautiful Eucharistic hymn, Adorate Devote. I adore you. Oh, Lord. God provides. This, was, this Eucharistic miracle was, uh, in a certain sense, an affirmation. God saying, hey, I'm with you. Have faith. Um, this is truly my body and blood. No, we're not, we're not, the church doesn't oblige us to even believe that that happened. 
They, they investigated, they, and the church is not quick to call everything that's a little bit different a miracle, but they investigated and came to the conclusion that, yes, this, this happened. The study on the blood is, is human blood. Well, the Lord is constantly asking us for faith. Do you believe? In, in a sermon right now, from here in, this tabernacle, here in the tabernacle, he's, he's inviting us to believe. Now maybe we feel a bit like a bit like St. Thomas, the doubting Thomas. You know, unless I see more facts about Ivan, in his case, of course, the resurrection, until I put my you know, finger into his side and touch his, see his wounds on his hands and put my finger into his side, I will not believe. Well, the Lord is asking us for faith. And what a great gift it is. It's, it's, And a beautiful example of our Lord's love for us, the Eucharist. St. John Paul II, that encyclical, he, he, the, the Eucharist is truly a glimpse of heaven appearing on earth. It is a glorious ray of heavenly Jerusalem which pierces the clouds of our history and lights up our journey. It truly sustains for the soul. And we're so blessed. Lord, increase my faith. And it helps us in our everyday lives. St. Josemaria encourages us, try to sanctify your everyday lives. Sanctify that work. Live patience with your loved ones. Use your time well. Avoid gossip. Just everything. Everything is a chance to try to love God. Our everyday lives, and the Eucharist can be a, is a great strength for that. If we're going to try to be saints, in a certain way, we could almost say, "Well, how could how can we even try without it? How can we? How, how do we have a chance at holiness without the Eucharist?" Well, it, we people can be holy without receiving the Eucharist if it's just impossible to do so. But if we have it somewhat accessible here in New York. Sunday Mass, I, easy to get to. You know, it's not like we have to, I don't perhaps like our parents or grandparents. Oh, no, you, typically, you know, when I was your age, I had to walk you two miles to get to Mass. You know, uphill, you know, both ways. It's always snowing, even in August. So, you know, many people did. People did make wonderful efforts to get to Mass, such as their faith. And so we, if we have it, so easy, well, frankly, no excuses. You know, we all you know, could man up and say, okay, how's it going? And our Lord loves us. He, he's merciful. If, if, if the Mass has not been a strong part of our faith life, well, the Lord will help us. But we, but we have to make that effort. We, we can't just let one week after another go by without, without getting to Mass. It's, it's a, a, a commandment. Keep holy the Sabbath. That's how we do it as Catholics. We, we attend Mass. And again, with a proper disposition, with a clean soul, we, we receive the Eucharist. Now, I mentioned before this moving history of, of these martyrs of the 4th century during the persecution of Diocletian in the year 304. A group of martyrs were I'm sorry, a group of Christians were martyred because of the Eucharist. They gathered for the Eucharist. There was a prohibition by the emperor not 
to do those meetings, right? Okay, pagan, the pagan lost. But they still gathered and they were caught. Significant among other things is the answer certain emeritus gave to the proconsul who asked him why on earth they had disobeyed the emperor's severe orders. He replied, Sine Domenico non possumus. I, I, literally, without the Lord's Day, without Sunday, non possumus. We can't. We, we, can't, we, we can't function. We can't really live without the Eucharist. That is, we cannot live without joining together on Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist. We would lack the strength to face our daily problems and not to succumb. Paraphrasing what these martyrs were willing to risk. After atrocious tortures, these 49 martyrs of Abitine were killed. Thus they confirmed their faith with bloodshed. They died, but they were victorious. Today we remember them in the glory of the risen Christ. They really wanted to gather on Sunday to celebrate the Eucharist to worship God, to receive communion. Do I have somewhat of that desire? Lord, increase my desire, if that be the case. Teach me to love you more. It is a great, uh, it's a great gift, and it, it is a commandment. This is how the Lord is, okay, here's how I want you to, you know, to grow in your faith. And it is, the first thing, the first reason, really, of Sunday Mass, or any Mass, is to worship God. It's not, well, for me to get something out of it. If, if we ever find ourselves tempted to not go to Mass because I don't get anything out of it, because the uh, homily is boring, or the music is bad, or the priest was mean to me once after church and teased me about my brown plaid shirt. Well, you know, I mean, we can have, the excuses are countless, but no. It's, we go to Mass to, to worship God above all. And hopefully we will get something out of it, of course. God wants us, to, to, yes, to thrive, to, to receive the, the bread of life and, and to be nourished. And certainly priests are going to have to answer to God if they help the people do that. But each individual, Mass, the Sunday Mass, the obligation, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a grave obligation. Because God knows what's best for us. St. Thomas Aquinas, one of his sermons, talks about this great sacrament. O precious and wonderful banquet! Since it, is, since it was the will of God's only begotten Son that men should share in his divinity, he assumed our nature in order that by becoming man, he might make men gods. Well, that sounds uh, heretical in a way, but St. Thomas Aquinas will give him a chance here. Moreover, when he took our flesh, he dedicated the whole of its substance to our salvation. He offered his body to God the Father on the altar of this cross as a sacrifice for our reconciliation. He shed his blood for our ransom and purification so that we might be redeemed from our wretched state of bondage and cleansed from all sin. 
But to ensure that the memory of so great a gift would abide with us forever, he left his body as food and his blood as drink for the faithful to consume in the form of bread and wine. So we are called to be like God. It's, it's, we are made in the image and likeness of God. And through communion, we, have, we are brought into this world of God in a special way. Of course, we're not God. Like but we're, we're invited into the life of God. There's a certain divinization that, yeah, that, that takes place when we receive God, when we receive the Eucharist. God wants to dwell in us, the indwelling and in baptism, yeah, we, the, the indwelling of the Trinity. And St. Paul, of course, reminds us, do you not realize that you are temples of the Holy Spirit? This is great honor, this great dignity that we've been given. And precisely, in that sense, we're the right place for the Eucharist to arrive. With our faith, our soul and state of grace, our humility, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Well, yes, in such a way we can receive and benefit from such a great sacrament. St. Thomas Aquinas continues, O precious and wonderful banquet that brings us salvation and contains all sweetness. Could anything be of more intrinsic value? Under the old law, it was the flesh of calves and goats that was offered. But here, Christ himself, the true God, is set before us as our food. What could be more wonderful than this? No other sacrament has greater healing power. Through it, sins are purged away, virtues are increased, and the soul is enriched with abundance of every spiritual gift. This is the great effect of the Eucharist. And of course, when St. Thomas Aquinas says, sins are purged away, it's assumed that we're receiving our Lord in the proper state, in the state of grace. Let's not get that, conf that confusion either. Just People without any bad will, but just confused. I say, well, I, well yeah, I, haven't been, you know, I haven't been to confession in, in a long time, and I know I've got serious sins. Um, yeah, I've done this and that, and I've skipped the Mass. And, uh, but precisely, and I'm going to go to Mass, and I'm going to receive Jesus, and that'll, that, that'll, I need Him. I need Him to cleanse me. Well, first confession. Tell the Lord, we're sorry for our sins. Indeed, and, and with, with great trust in God, with, with great sincerity. It's just a great, it, it is truly a sacrament of joy. Confession is a sacrament of joy. Yes, it has its, um, what do you call it, maybe a fear factor of sorts, or even just being, feeling embarrassed, but that doesn't matter. Just to say, Lord, Lord, you, you're the one, you're, the, you're, you're my Savior, you're the one who can, Heal me of these sins. And then, well, the church has acknowledged as through confession that you know, those sins are, are, are forgiven. And then in that state, we receive communion and are cleansed of our sins. There's a purification that, go, that, that, is, that takes place in our soul through that union with Christ in, in, in the Eucharist. Great healing power. Virtues are increased. It, 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 uh, it, it, there's, it's just 
a life-changing experience. And not that we start going on floating, or but we still have to struggle against sin. You know, it's not a magic, you know, it's like not, not a magic pill that takes us away from all temptations. And no, but it does. It is a strength for the soul to strive to live holiness in the middle of the world. I was like the way Pope Benedict XVI put it in one of his homilies: when we receive communion, when we approach communion at, at that moment of the Mass, I have to respond personally. You know, in the Mass, it's a great prayer of, of the community, the family. But when it comes to communion, he says, it switches over to the personal I. He says, this makes demands on me personally. At this point, I have to move out, go toward him, call to him. So if I approach communion and the priest, the body of Christ, if I say amen, which basically says, yes, yes, so be it, I believe, okay, I have to own up to that, yes. I have to live that amen. I'm saying yes to God. When, when, I, when, I say, when I hear the body of Christ and say yes, amen, and receive the body of Christ, that makes demands on me personally. I've got to try. I've really got to try to be a saint. I've got to try to sanctify my work. I need to give my best effort to live patience and mercy with people. And I have to really make that effort to really keep my heart pure and my eyes pure and my body pure. Because I've said amen to God. I've said yes to Jesus and that I believe that you are here with me now in this great sacrament. And thank you, Lord, for that help. We should really feel a certain power. Well, we feel, I mean... We may not feel it, but that we should sense, well, okay, I've received communion. I can, I, I have a chance. <laughs> I have a chance to be holy today. Of course, if, if we have the chance to go to communion every day, to get to Mass every day, of course, that goes without saying. That's a great strength. And here, too, in New York, plenty of opportunities to get to daily Mass. But in any case, that, that communion should give us a strength to keep going forward, to keep trying to to be a saint, and to really affect us as the day goes along. I remember hearing someone say, he, you know, there's a moment of possible road rage. I think someone, you know, someone cut him off. And you know, he's human, he felt it. He felt his <laughs> blood boiling or whatever. And, but then he, he, he paused and he thought, wow, you know, I've received communion today. He'd gone to Mass. I've received communion. I've received the Lord today. I'm, I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm, I'm not going to yell at this guy or go chase him down. or anything. It really affected him. The, the thought, the reality that he'd received communion helped him in that moment to do the right thing. And so in how many other ways throughout the day can we strive to do the right thing? And maybe it will help us just to remember, well, I, just, I received the Lord. I, I have to act accordingly. Act. I have to live accordingly. Or in a family situation, maybe some conflict, possible conflict. And I want to say something that might be cutting to someone, because I'm right. And, and I, well, Lord, help me. Because I, Lord, I've received you today. You are my strength. And I should not say what I want to say or feel like I want to say. Help me. Give me the strength. And he is the strength. Our Lord is the strength. 
Now, Pope Francis is reminded us of this, of this, this power of the Eucharist, that God with us. And, and okay, how am I living mercy with others, for example? So in so many ways we can, of course, praise God precisely by living out, striving to live out the life of Christ. We have to try to, like St. Paul, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And with the Eucharist, just like those martyrs of Aventine, they get this, they got it. They, I, we need the Eucharist. Sine Domenico non possumus. Without Sunday, you know, without the Lord's Day, we just can't do what we got to do. And when we can't receive our Lord for a reason, it's just, um, you know, it's physically impossible. Spiritual communion. We can pray a spiritual communion. Beautiful prayer. St. Josemaria learned it as a, as a child. I wish, my Lord, to receive you with the purity, humility, and devotion with which your Most Holy Mother received you. That's a good, that's a good desire. I can't right now, Lord, for whatever reason, I can't receive you. you know, and maybe it is because I want to get to confession first. I need to get to confession first. Okay. Lord, I, I wish Lord, to receive with the purity, humility, and devotion with which your most holy mother received, the spirit and the fervor of the saints. Because that in itself is an affirmation of faith. You say, well, I don't want to receive until I'm really ready. Not with scruples, but if I'm aware of a serious sin, I, it, that's a, a, an act of faith. Say, well, I'm not going to go to communion quite yet until I get ready. And that's a good thing, to have that, that faith lived out in a practical way. The church and the world have a great need for Eucharistic worship, St. John Paul II wrote. Jesus awaits us in the sacrament of love. Let us not refuse the time to go and meet him in adoration, in contemplation full of faith. You know, making a, a visit to the Blessed Sacrament, uh, of course, getting to Mass. Um, and these days of Corpus Christi, tomorrow's the feast, and there's this uh, octave, eight days. It's such a beautiful feast, it's such a beautiful truth. We want to take time to worship the Lord in the Eucharist. And many places have a series of events to celebrate, to remember Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. Eucharistic processions, benedictions, as we affirm, Lord, we affirm, like we will right now, as we finish this meditation, we'll have a, we'll have a benediction, a benediction of the, of the Blessed Sacrament, the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. It's good for us to worship him in that way and act, make acts of faith and acts of reparation. Indeed, the, the benediction is a great opportunity to enter into the faith. And, you know, it's probably good. If we feel tired or distracted, the possibility, possibility of being distracted, wow, benediction, and all of these prayers and kneeling down, my knees hurt. And Good. It's good for us to go through a little bit of suffering if, if that is involved in a, in a benediction because the body is rebelling. Fine. Make, offer that to the Lord. And try to stay focused. Try to make acts of love. Great, yeah, that's, you know, that, that, <laughs> I'd have to think that the Lord appreciates that. Even when we don't feel like it, we still stay there and worship Him.
Well, let's ask our Blessed Mother to help us in this great awareness of the feast day, Corpus Christi. Mary gave us the body of Christ. She said yes at the Annunciation. And so with her help and the help of all the saints, we can strive to be attentive to this great lover, Jesus, who comes to us, who truly is the bread of life. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.